Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We are delighted that you're here to celebrate Christmas Eve with us, uh, the time we commemorate the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to be taking a look at uh, the birth of Jesus from what we call a little bit of a higher point of view. We're going to see how angels got into the act of announcing Jesus' birth, how they communicated that to Mary, to Joseph, and some shepherds, and most importantly to us as the service unfolds. So let's open up in a word of prayer and commit this time to the Lord. Father, thank you that we have this opportunity tonight to be able to take a moment and focus in on you. We pray for the presence of your spirit here to speak to our hearts and minister to us in wonderful ways. Thank you, Lord, for each and every person that is here and online. It's been such a challenging year in so many ways. We pray, Father, that this would be a night of comfort. We pray that it would be a, a night, perhaps, of connection, maybe even for the first time. Some people here coming to really know what it is to have a relationship with you. Thank you that we get a chance to celebrate uh, one of the most momentous uh, moments in human history, your entrance into this world. We give you the praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come to thee, 
So how do you deliver the most momentous news the world has ever known? Well, in God's case, he sent angelic messengers. Now, a word of clarification about angels. We sometimes can minimize them. We can have images of uh, like fat babies floating on clouds and so forth. But the Bible tells us that angels are no one to trifle with. The book of Hebrews tells us that God makes his minister's spirit, his, his messengers, a flame of fire. Dare I say, if we were to see an angel in all of its glory right now, we would probably pass out from fright. But they're powerful beings, and they are God's messengers. Billy Graham, not too long ago, had a book called God, Angels, God's uh, Secret Agents. And one such agent was the angel Gabriel. He was given a very important message to deliver to a very significant person in God's plan. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we read, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and, could, and uh, wondered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he will be called son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, for her who was once called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her.
The Bible tells us that Mary wasn't the only one in need of some angelic intervention. Now, let's face it, uh, the entrance of God in human flesh, Jesus into this world, and the extraordinary manner of the virgin birth also impacted the life of a young man by the name of Joseph. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, we are told in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But when he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him, his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus.
It was December 9th, 1965, when broadcast history was made. That was the first time the classic holiday special, A Charlie Brown Christmas, was aired. But believe it or not, it was pretty touch and go as to whether that program would ever have seen the light of day. Uh, some six or seven months before airing, uh, Charles Schultz, the author of the wildly popular Peanuts cartoon strip of that time, was approached by the Coca-Cola company saying that they would love to take his cartoons and put them into a TV format. Well, it all sounded good, except Charles Schultz had a few stipulations, a few reservations that had to be met before he would give the okay for this Charlie Brown Christmas to be presented to the public. Number one, he insisted that they didn't use voice actors, adults, to play the parts of the Peanuts gang. He said they had to be children in order for it to be authentic. Secondly, Schultz was quite the jazz uh, fancier and was particularly enamored of the jazz tunes from an artist named Vince Guaraldi. He wanted to have a jazz background for this cartoon. Well, the executives say, oh, you know, the average person out there is just not into jazz. I, I just don't think that's going to go over very well. But the kicker was this. Schultz insisted that the program be about the true meaning of Christmas, including having as its culminating moment one of the characters, the blanket-toting philosopher Linus, sharing straight out of the Bible from Luke chapter 2. You probably recall how that scene went down. Charlie Brown exasperated saying, can't anyone tell me the true meaning of Christmas? And Linus replied, I can, Charlie Brown. And then he said, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of God shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel spoke unto them and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a limestone feeding trough, by the way. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Linus looked at Charlie Brown and said, that's the true meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. Well, <laughs> when they put it together and the executives looked at it, even the executive producer, Bill Melendez, said, this is not going to go over. This is not going to be well received. He, in fact, he was famously quoted saying, I think we've killed Charlie Brown. But as you know, history tells us another story. The first night of the airing of a Charlie Brown Christmas, 45 million Americans watched. And ever since then, it's become a part of the American Christmas experience. A classic, if you will. Well, coming from the background that I came from, that was one of the few times I was ever exposed to hearing the Bible. Those 54 seconds of Scripture that Linus shared on that immortal special. In fact, uh, about five years later, that, that, that special made such an impact that I was asked to memorize that same section of Scripture and share it 
at the Mesa Union School Christmas pageant that year. That's why I have that thing down pat. I was scared to death about messing up. <laughs> so that scripture that says so much, the true meaning of Christmas. You know, the, the problem with that is, yeah, I think if you're in on things biblical, that certainly does explain the true meaning of Christmas. But for a lot of us, even though it's beautiful, even though it's poetic, even though the, even the old King James tends to resonate with our hearts and makes us a little misty and sentimental this time of year, uh, well, how many of us really understand the message the angel delivered to those shepherds? And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, we tend to romanticize shepherds a bit. We tend to think of them as spiritual and wonderful people, but that really wasn't the attitude back in that day. If you lived in those, those times, Jewish culture was a culture that was based on cleanliness. And if you've walked where only sheep have gone before, chances are you're not going to get invited to the A-list parties. So God decides to reveal the greatest news in the history of mankind to a very unlikely group. The downcast, the cast-asides, the, the individuals that people would look at and, and maybe not look up to and respect. And isn't that how God always does it? It's not the high and mighty who understand who Jesus is. It's the humble. But notice something else. The angels spoke unto them, and we were told the glory of God shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, I call your attention to that phrase, the glory of God, because this tells us the first key insight we all have to grasp if we're going to understand what the true meaning of Christmas is. Christmas is about the presence of God. That word glory is really something, because glory means literally God revealing his presence at that time. Could you imagine being an angel and having the glory of God revealed to you? What would that be like? Now, uh, many of you out there have probably seen some pretty glorious things in your life, maybe things that caused you to be sore afraid. Uh, I remember when I was at the U of A, we drove out to watch the U of A play USC in football. And we were driving back after the game, and it was late. We were about oh, 30 miles outside of Yuma on the California side of the border, somewhere between El Centro and Yuma out there on I-8. When I was driving along trying to stay awake and I looked and in front of me I could see this falling star that started to come down. It got brighter and brighter and suddenly in front of me it was like night turned into day for about three or four seconds. I mean you could see everything in front of you. You could see color. It was like the sun was up. And the first thing that went through my mind was, oh my gosh, they nuked Phoenix. I thought for sure, I'm, I'm getting on the radio and turning around the channels to make sure that, you know, somebody's on. All the radio stations were still on. You know, I'm thinking in my mind, boy, this is how those uh, survival sci-fi flicks start. You know, do we go to Mexico? Where do we go? Get out of the radiation? Turns out what it was, was a bolide meteor. Now, a bolide meteor is like the rough equivalent of a huge chunk of pure sulfur hitting the atmosphere. It's like a flare, if you will. And that bolide was so impressive, it was seen in the exact same way from people stretching from Mexico City in the south all the way to the Canadian border. One of the most glorious things I think I've ever seen. But it couldn't hold a candle to what those shepherds saw. Why? Because the shepherds didn't see the glory of a chunk of sulfur. Those shepherds saw the glory of God. 
Try to wrap your mind around that. You see, the Bible tells us that's what Jesus is all about. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verse 14, we are told that the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In a real way, we can say planet Earth is a visited planet. Not by UFOs or UAPs or whatever they call these uh, sort of things these days, but by the very creator of the universe. Born that day in the city of David was Jesus, God in human flesh, Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. So first of all, we need to understand something about Christmas. Christmas means that God has been present here in this world. We don't have to speculate about God. We don't have to take our spiritual takes from speculation. We can take it from revelation. God delivered his truth personally. But the second part of the true meaning of Christmas is really important for us to understand. It's not only just about the presence of God. It's about the plan of God. Notice what the angel said to the shepherds. He said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now understand the reason why Jesus came. That's what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. Not just that Jesus was born in a musty, dusty, Middle Eastern cattle stall, which was a more humble entrance into human affairs we could never even imagine. But he didn't stay there, did he? He grew into a man. We are told in the Bible that he lived a completely sinless life, a life that you and I could never live. He took that sinless life and willingly laid it down on a cruel Roman cross to pay the price for your sins and mine and rose from the dead three days later so that we could have life. That's why they call him the Savior, because we needed saving. Truth be told, if we're really honest, our hope of heaven, our hope of a soft landing on the other side of this life, boy, if you're counting on your good deeds or, or going to church or doing enough religious rituals to hopefully offset all the bad stuff you've done with some good stuff as well and hoping God grades on the curve, you're going to be out of luck. There's only one kind of person you're going to run into in heaven. Someone who's been saved from their sins. Someone whom God has delivered from their sins. You see, that's the beauty of the message of the first Christmas. If there was any other way to save us, God would have done it. But there was no other way. And notice the third aspect of the meaning of Christmas. It's a beautiful one. The last thing that we see in that passage of scripture in Luke chapter 2 blows my mind. We're told, and there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, I got to admit, when I, back in the groovy 60s, heard uh, the words of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, I thought, oh yeah, peace, he's going to make all wars end. And yeah, one day Jesus will cause all wars to end when he comes back the second time. But if you've been keeping track of history, there's been an awful lot of war between that first coming and, and now. What kind of peace did Jesus come to bring? 
Well, in a sense, Jesus came to bring peace to the greatest conflict, not only in the history of humanity in general, but the greatest conflict that exists in all of our hearts. The bottom line is, we've turned our backs on God. We've decided to go our own way. But God has made a way back through providing his son for us. You know, we sometimes think that, well, maybe God would have mercy on righteous people or, or holy people, but what hope is there for me? I love what Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 says. For when we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For perhaps for a good man, someone might die. And for a righteous man, someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I love that. Because you know what that's saying? When did Jesus decide to die for you? When you were at your best? When you had some potential? No. He died for you and me when we were at our worst. And that's an amazing message. You see, on earth, peace means that the conflict, that which separates us from God, has been completely eliminated. Goodwill toward men? When God looks at you, did you know he looks at you with passion? He passionately wants you to know his love and his nearness in your life. And that's what the message of Christmas is all about. You see, the greatest gift, the gift that keeps on giving, if you will, that God wants to give to each and every one of us is that peace of God that flows out of our hearts when we have peace with God. And all we have to do to receive that amazing gift is simply put our faith and trust in Jesus. Famous scripture, probably have heard it a million times before, but think of it in light of that first Noel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the gift of Christmas. Lord, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that your word tells us that you made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in you. It wasn't when we would, the way we would expect it. Your, your provision for forgiveness for us isn't something that we would come up if, uh, with if we could and, and wouldn't if we could. But I thank you, Lord, that you provided for us forgiveness. You made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you for this ultimate Christmas gift. And Lord, my prayer is for those who perhaps have seen this year as a time of fear, as, as a time of anxiety, I pray, Father, that that peace that you came to provide would flood into their hearts knowing that nothing can separate them from your love. I pray, Father, for those who perhaps don't know that peace within their life. I pray, Father, that this would be their night, this would be their evening, when they would just simply say in the quietness of their heart, Lord, I know I need you in my life. I believe Jesus came and paid the price for my sins. Please forgive my sins. Come into my heart. Make me a brand new person. I want to receive that Christmas gift. And Lord, I pray even for those of us who've walked with you for a while, who perhaps have found our faith maybe becoming a little cold, uh, a little distant. 
I pray that we would remember the awesome lengths you went to to demonstrate your love and, and renew and receive that gift of a joyful, overflowing, abundant life that you promised to your people as a Christmas gift this season. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you, God, for that amazing manger scene that tells us what is the width and length and depth and height of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Apart from you. 
Will you all please stand? Hey, the Lord give you an amazing Merry Christmas. May you be surrounded by love and grace as you remember the coming of Jesus to this earth. May his wonderful plan to save people like you and me who utterly didn't deserve it give you comfort and strength. May you know that nothing can separate you from his love. And as you receive that love, May your light shine in this dark world, bringing life and light and peace to those who really are struggling. Letting them know there's a God who loves them, who came for them, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. May God bless you with that knowledge, that joy, that relationship with him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's join together one last song to celebrate our wonderful Lord. And remember, afterwards, we've got the cookie social next door, so you can make up for your lack of carbs over there following our service. God bless you. Merry Christmas. One, two, three. Let's put our hands together.
God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Christmas. Merry Christmas.